what's up hybrids welcome back to another episode of the phantom hybrid podcast this is hanako and i am here with anthony Lori, and mike and we are discussing the season finale of invincible and i know when we talked about the last episode we anticipated that there was going to be some drama i don't think my mind was prepared for this episode like I watched it and I felt traumatized. I watched this episode and I felt like, I think I literally told my daughter, this episode makes the boys feel like child's play. <laughs> like for a cartoon, it was so, so, so ridiculously violent. Yeah, gory and bloody as all fucking get out. Oh my God, like this episode touched like any emotion that you ever think you could feel watching a father and son come to blows and everything else that happened in the episode, you felt it. Can, can we really call it father and son coming to blows? It was more no. like no, we can't. father. No, it was more like father beating the shit out of his son. In a grantacular way. And yes, I just made that word up. He got his ass handed to him. If, if, in if, if you could way. ever like show someone getting their ass literally handed to them, it would have been this episode. Yes, like Omni Man just sliced that shit off, put it in his hands, and like presented it to him. Like, here's a present. Right. I mean, all I heard was all I, all I heard was Kevin Hart saying, "No, he wasn't ready," because he really was not ready, like at all. You know what kept popping in my mind? Chris Tucker and Friday, damn, you just knocked the fuck out. Repeatedly. His his solution was, if I didn't kick his ass enough, let me try. He, what, three, four, five times? Literally, you didn't understand it the first 10 minutes I was bashing your face in. Let me try to explain it it to you again. Hour. Okay, let me, I've never seen a lecture that was literally beaten into someone like i've gone to lectures (laughs) with professors who i felt like were beating me over the head with words no he was literally beating him with words in this lecture i mean this is this is like a superhero version of a parent just whipping his kid's ass like instead of a switch he pretty much uses this i mean this like this was damn this was this was damn near child abuse. I was like, fuck, if someone calls defects on this motherfucker, like damn. This was not damn near. This was actual. <laughs> Nolan was raised in a black neighborhood. Like he was raised in a southern black neighborhood in the mid-80s. That- oh no, they do this in the they do this in the Midwest. I'm gonna too. knock some sense <laughs> into your son. I brought you into damn. this world and I can take you I'm out. I'm gonna take you out. <laughs> We needed Uncle Steve Harvey to narrate this, okay? I don't think Steve Harvey would have done it justice. I would have needed somebody like, I got to go old school. I would have needed somebody like Bernie Mac. Yeah. Oh, yes. There you Bill go. Bellamy, oh. Joe Torrey. Where you go? All the things. Or like Tony Baker. Oh. Like to- Tony <laughs> Baker, like, what in the haberdashery and hemoglobin is going Dolomite. on? Dolomite. Yeah. <laughs> Dolomite needed to narrate this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, All the things that parents say to their child, like, (laughs) don't make me come cross your face. (laughs) Didn't didn't he 
actually say the words "this is hurting me" yes. or "this is hurting you." I think you everything said that. your parent, everything your parents said to you as they were throwing the shoe at you, is literally what <laughs> Nolan was doing, or making you go pick your own switch <laughs> off the bush. Get the ironing cord, Man. the whole all thing. of it, all of it. Who? <sighs> yeah, that, that was that poor child. <laughs> That was discipline and it's like when people of this generation say that beating your kids is a crime, this is what they're talking about. Yeah, like this, this shit. Is what they're talking about. Bruh. Oh my I'm going to whip okay. you so bad, I'm going to make you wish you called the facts. Bring an ambulance while you're at it too. Yeah, but see. But uh-uh, see you said it wrong. Bring an ambulance while you're at it. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. Amelance. See, I'm sorry, I put a B in yes, there. My bad. Yeah, because see, we're we're of the era that when we got a little brave and said, "I'm gonna call the cops," our parents would actually hand us the phone and say, "Go right ahead." You know, <laughs> and and not only that, if you are gonna call the cops on me anyway, I'm gonna give you. I'm, I'm gonna yeah. give the cops. I'll make it worth. I'll make it worth my while. Like, I'm, if I'm going exactly. to jail, I'm going to jail for something. So, and, exactly. and for those of y'all who are listening, we are all like old school, old school. We're all over forty, so this was like our childhood. And I know like my, my, my kids, they laugh at me and they look at me like I'm crazy when I tell them about some of the stuff we went through as children. They're like, that's abuse. That's toxic. I'm like, y'all don't understand. That that's made discipline. us That's discipline. No, Mac. Y'all don't understand. Y'all don't understand. Oh, not Brennan Mac. Um, the other one, Bebe's kids. I know, yeah, I know. You yeah, I'm Robin yes. Harris. You're Robin Harris. Y'all mm-hmm. don't understand. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, it, but yeah, Mark. Mark was a black kid from the ghetto. <laughs> In this episode, he got that ass whooped. That was one of those. Uh, I'm gonna beat you so bad, you are gonna wish you to die. It was. Oh, we're gonna get into it because we we have a lot to unpack. Um, <laughs> so the episode starts out with a shower of blood and immortal falling to the ground in pieces. Again after uh, again just keep tearing his ass apart after the end of the last episode like i said in the last episode i think it's just so sad that you got brought back to life just to get a few punches in for revenge just to get your ass literally handed to you again by the same person who killed you the first time but really honest if you look at it immortal beat um omni-man's ass way better than mark did like he got he got way more he did way more of course I mean, Immortal also has like thousands of years of experience. <laughs> so, yeah, and he had all of that rage fuel once he yeah. re- once he woke up and remembered that he had been killed and that his friends had been killed and who was responsible for it. He had a lot of rage fueling him. But we all know you see this in TV, you see this in movies. Hell, you see it in real life when you go into a fight with that much rage and that much emotion. You're going to do damage for a short amount of time and then it's going to fizz out. You're going to lose that steam. You're going to lose that that motivation. And it just ends up being, you know, worse for wear for you. And that's what happened with uh, Immortal. You know, he got a few good licks in. I think if he had not been screaming when he first saw Omni-Man and approached him, you bastard, you murderer, he might have gotten a little bit better because he could have he could have taken Omni-Man by surprise. If he had taken Omni-Man by surprise, he probably would have been a little more successful. But when you come into a fight, ah, which I never understand why people do that anyway. It's like, you you just ruined the element of surprise. Like, why do that? But 
he could have gotten maybe a little bit further, but of course that didn't happen. Omni-Man, at the end of the last episode, he punched his way straight through Immortal's stomach and his spine again. Straight through his soul. uh, Literally. And then sliced him in half. Like, no mercy. And I, I think we all realized definitely at the end of last episode, the kid gloves are off. Nolan is in full Viltrumite mode. So it's about to get ugly. It's about to get bloody. So of course, Mark has witnessed immortal second death and he approaches his father or his father approaches him with the whole, we need to talk thing. And Mark is sitting there just looking at him and he's having trouble focusing Because, of course, Mark came to his father's aid in the last episode and got his ass whooped by the kaiju. So he's got a lot to take in. Like, he just fought this big, massive dragon-like creature, whatever you want to call it. He just saw Omni-Man kill a mortal. So he's looking at his father. His father's eyes are red from where uh, Immortal tried to gouge them out. He's got blood all over him. His hands are soaked in blood. And Mark is sitting there like in disbelief. And so what he does is he starts attacking his father because he thinks that his father is being controlled. And it's like the look on Omni-Man's face. It's like Zod got his way. You could kind of sort of see a little hint of humanity. I feel like when Mark was like, someone's controlling you, let my dad go. Like he's punching Nolan. He's trying to get him to wake up from whatever trance he thinks his dad is in. And Nolan looks just, he looks pained for like just half a second. Like, oh, I'm about to shatter this boy's dreams. And then all hell breaks loose. He, he throws Mark and, you know, he's like, no, Mark, it's me. It's, it's just me. This is, this is me. This is what I had to do. And now I need to explain to you. And so he goes into his whole explanation about who he really is and where he's from. And he tells them, I come from a planet named Viltrum. And it's not quite the planet I told you about. We've created a perfect civilization. And as soon as he said that, I paused it because all I could hear in my head was Anthony from the very first episode or second episode. <laughs> talking about nolan and how you know if if people are sending representatives to the planet it's usually not a goodwill gesture he's there to conquer and that's all i could hear in my head while i'm sitting here watching the first part of this episode dr stephen hawking said (laughs) if there was any alien species out there that would that has the technology to come to this planet then i come here for our benefit Period. Right. They're just not. Yep. And here we go. Nolan is not here for our benefit. He says he yeah. is, but that's watching the clips of, oh yeah, if they resisted, he took care of it. You know? <laughs> right. So it was even worse than we suspect. We're like, oh, okay, they sent people to the different planets to kind of assimilate them. They didn't even start with our planets. They started on their own planet. They came to a quote unquote perfect civilization because he says in order for our people to reach their full potential, we had to remove the weak from our society. So they literally fought amongst each other and killed the weaker people. And half the population. They pulled a Thanos. Half the population of the planet murdered the other half. Right. 
except instead of them like fading away to dust there's like bodies stacked on bodies stacked on bodies on the planet of Viltrum it's it's bloody and it's oh so he tells Mark that by the time he was born Viltrum was already the greatest empire in the galaxy and I'm like oh here's this whole supremacy thing it doesn't matter if it's on earth if it's you know intergalactic someone somewhere Mm. always seems to have this little supremacy bug in their head that they are the superior race they are the superior beings and they have to go and control everybody else i was like and and for them it it only gets worse because as they realize each planet they conquer the people of whatever planet they get to is so far beneath them they just steamroll everyone so of course they're gonna even it's even gonna get worse that they're the superior race because nobody can stand in their way right what was it that he said that he said they decided to make it the only empire in their galaxy Mm -hmm. i'm like what he says once i was old enough i joined the war effort so and this is what they're doing and we see one of the first planets that they come across in this flashback is uh what was his name alan Um, Alan the alien alan yes alan aliens people they're looking at nolan like oh my god and you see them on different planets just basically annihilating the people and he said you know we we did have some resistance but nobody could withstand us for long and he said soon our empire encompassed thousands of planets thousands and then you know he says that as their territory grew their forces were stretched thin and they had to stop you know it wasn't working they had to figure out a more efficient way to conquer worlds so what they did was they took all of their trusted officers and they assigned them a planet and they were to go to that planet and weaken that planet by themselves and he tells mark i was one of the lucky few he says he couldn't tell debbie why he was there but it's just you see him with a younger debbie and a younger mark and he almost looks kind of nostalgic while he's talking about it but then he hards hardens up he's like but that time's come to an end and now we need to get earth ready to join the viltrum empire and poor mark that baby starts he he's he's tearing up because this is not what he thought you know it's okay that i wrote down what they said on this scene it's like mark starts off by saying you love me you love mom i know you do then Nolan kind of scoffs and says, do you have any idea how long we live? The older we get, the slower we age. Viltrium DNA is so pure, you're nearly full-blooded. You'll live for thousands of years. Do you understand what that means? Everyone you know and love will be gone before you even look 30. It's not something I want for you. This isn't your world. It's theirs. But we can help them. We can stop wars, eliminate hunger, give them medical technology centuries ahead of what they have now. We've already been doing it. If it wasn't for you and me, this planet would be in flames. All we have to do is welcome Earth into our empire. He says, I do love your mother, but she's more like a pet to me. This motherfucker. I was so fucking mad the first time I saw this. I was like, a what? You motherfucker. Have you lost your motherfucking mind? 
my daughter and I had to turn the TV off for about 10, 15 minutes before we could even finish after you made that statement. I was like, Mm -hmm. it's one thing to say, okay, yeah, I don't really love her or, you know, I love her, but she's not important in the grand scheme of things. This motherfucker said she was more like a pet to him. Not a a side chick, not just a a girlfriend, not just some girl, a fucking Uh, pet. He called her a dog. He called her a fucking hamster. He didn't he didn't even he he doesn't even really see her as a person. He just sees her as something that was fun. I was so mad at this. I I I, I literally I did the same thing as you. I had to pause it for a second. I was like, no. And the no, sad man. thing, the really sad thing about it is they don't realize Debbie is listening to every single word. I felt so bad for her. I was just like, man, and oof, that was that was that was some bullshit. Um, I, I there's a lot to unpack out of that that whole speech, that that monologue. Um, but the the one thing I wanted to mention was we've had this conversation on the previous podcast, uh, the Scurvy Witches, about vampires living for so long. Yeah. And and the relationships they have with humans are so fleeting that they literally mean nothing to them. You know, it, it when yeah. you live that long, it, oh, it becomes I, I don't want to use the word burden, but it's like you you kind of lose interest in things, you know. I don't know. It it it, it, it was very tough to listen to him say those things to Mark. Like, you know, not only is she a pet, I mean, like, why even bother with these these people, these these things? Because they're not going to be around very long. Like, you're going to live for thousands of years. They're mayflies. They're going to be here and gone in the blink of an eye. They're so far beneath us because we are so far ahead of them in everything. I mean, so so basically, basically they're like a bunch of grown ass kids going around creating ant farms <laughs> because that's pretty much what it is. And the thing like, is, for Nolan, I will say this, and we we've talked about this before in the earlier episodes. It seemed very obvious that Nolan does care for Debbie. I I still will say that he he loved her in his own way, but. I just, he, he loved her like I love my pet dog. <laughs> that, I mean, that I, hope, I, hope don't do, I hope you don't do the things that Nolan did to Debbie to your dog. No, I don't. But, but that's, I mean, that's a whole other podcast. But that's, that's, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, no, I, I, think <laughs> but, for the, I, think, <laughs> I think for the time before Mark got his powers, I, think, I really think that Nolan probably had settled into the life that he was at. I, I do believe that he really was happy with Debbie and with Mark but and and going back and re-watching the show after seeing the finale you start picking up little things that you see in the earlier episodes that you know just were kind of fleeting when he says after Mark gets his powers you know he kind of looks worried and he says maybe it would have been better if Mark hadn't gotten his powers I think if Mark hadn't have gotten his powers he probably would have stayed a happily married father and a, a you know husband and father until the end of their lives because like he says 
that's fleeting for him. Like a lifetime for them is probably only a couple of years for him. So I think he could have, he could have stayed with them and been happy enough to live out that life. And then after they died, he probably would have continued to do what he was supposed to do for Viltrum. I think he would have done that if Mark hadn't have gotten his powers. Mark got his powers. You saw it's almost like a switch flipped with him. That's very optimistic of you. I'm Um, I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking at him. I'm looking at him like he's he's looking at them like I look at the expiration date on the orange juice in the refrigerator. (laughs) That was just like you enjoy it, but you know it's gonna come to an end. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think he would have. I think he would have been. He would have been okay Mm -hmm. if you know if Mark hadn't gotten his powers. He would have been like, okay, this is my life for now. I mean, because again, what's the future? for someone like him what's 40 years what's 60 years it's probably a blip 40 uh, mark's lifetime or debbie's lifetime is probably like an hour for us he probably could have been patient did the whole human thing he, and at the end of it he would have been like oh well well that was a nice experience okay on to world domination again i mean i literally think that's what his mindset would have been didn't he say that the older the older Viltrumites get the slower they age? Yeah. Yeah. And yep. and remember when he went to that alternate dimension, he was there for a while, which, you know, was probably like a thousand years their time. And he didn't age a bit. Not much. He, you know, he got he had a little gray yeah. in his hair, but I mean, it wasn't enough to be like, oh, he's an old man. He just looked like he might have grayed, you know, like it might have added five years to him or something. But see, I think he actually saw Mark and Debbie the same way until Mark got his powers because he was like, oh, well, well, they're going to come, going to be old. And so it's whatever. But when Mark got his powers, he instantly had two choices. He could either try to destroy Mark or he could try to train him and get him ready to be a Viltrumite in the Empire, like to fight for Viltrum. So he had two choices. So he decided to try to train him in order to be a proper Viltrumite instead of like saying, oh, he might be able to stop me. So maybe I should destroy him. He was like, okay, I'm just going to train you and prepare you for what's going to happen, but I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen. I think for Nolan, that might've been part of the mistake. That was the miscalculation that he made because when Mark got his powers, I don't think it was in Nolan's head that, oh, I might have to kill him. I think he automatically thought because Mark had been wanting to get his powers for so long that once Mark did get his powers, he probably thought, oh, okay, so now he's got his powers. Let me train him and then I can tell him what we're here to do. And he probably thought that that would be easy because Mark has said since he got his powers, I want to be just like you. I want to do what you do. The only thing is, Mark had no idea what he was saying and what he was aiming to become. I think Nolan's miscalculation was that, one, he waited until too long to tell Mark who he was and where he was from. And then, two, he put it off a second time once Mark got his powers. If he had really wanted to ensure that Mark would be on his side, especially seeing how close Mark and Debbie was, He would have been one of those fathers who would have been planting that seed early when Mark was younger. He would have started making those little subliminal messages and 
you know, saying those little things that kind of don't mean anything at the time. But when you think about later on, it's kind of like he's been grooming him. If he yeah. really wanted to ensure his success, that's what he should have been doing with his son. Not wait until he's 18 and then gets his powers. And then he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I know that you've been raised as fully human for 18 years of your life. But let me tell you, we're going to stop that now. You're going to be full Viltrumite and you're going to help me take over this planet and get rid of these people and dominate for the universe. Yeah, no, that doesn't work. You know, I mean, even with regular human children, society expects us to think about what we want to be when we grow up as we are teenagers, as we are kids, as we are in our formative years. By 18, when it's time for us to go to college, they want us to pick a major. They want us to already know what we want to do with the rest of our lives, even though we haven't lived life enough to really know that at that age. It's the same comparison. Like you've raised this child as one thing his whole entire life. And now you expect him at 18 to make a decision That's going to affect not just him, but the whole freaking world. And you expect him to do this just because you say, oh, yeah, but you're you're pretty much full Viltrumite. This should be an easy decision to you. You're going to live for thousands of years. You'll get over this. Um, Not the best father son talk, Nolan. I mean, no, this but this is Nolan's reality, though. It's like Nolan doesn't Nolan doesn't have a like human sense of time and reality. Like his sense of time and reality is way more extended than ours is. Right. Like, and, and that's what he's trying to get Mark to see. But really, it's kind of like when they talk about in any fantasy sci-fi comic, it's like it's better for if you're gonna get powers. You should get them as young as possible so that you could learn more and be able to adapt better to it. Then if you're older, if you're like a teenager and you get powers and you've already learned a lot about your life before that, it's really hard to adjust afterwards and you can't really, they can't really relate to it. So that's kind of what he's going through. It's like, you know, he's like, well, you know, these people are going to die. You're not going to be able to get used to any of this. He's like, but I know so many people. But it's like, if you're young and you don't know that many people, you're like, well, I guess it's not that bad. But it was like, if you, you have, you've made friendships, you have girlfriends and you have all the, and you have like all these, all these other people that, you know, you're like, I don't want them to die. I don't want to live without them. Stop talking to me about this. So, I mean, I think that's another thing, like if with him being old and getting his powers, it kind of sucks. Yes. And just watching Nolan talk to him, like, he's so I'm, I think I'm starting, yeah, well, I'm starting to agree with you a little bit, Hanako, because Mark tells him, you know, I've seen you save people. I've seen you almost die to protect people. And like, maybe you were Viltrumite when you came to Earth, but you're different. And no one's like, yeah, I was happy for, for, for a little bit, but I'm loyal to Viltrum. And these people here are animals. They're cavemen. They're meaningless. They mean nothing. And he's like, he goes into, it's almost like he has, he has some inconsistencies even in his logic. Because I think you're right. I think he does care, but he's trying to convince himself he has to stay loyal to his people. I mean, loyal to his his right. empire, you know. And it's just it's crazy. It's like you're not listening, and and Mark is like Mark is listening, right. he, but he's telling you you actually do care for these yeah. people. And and Mark is like, and he's like, you expect me to enslave people on this planet where I was born, where I was raised. For a bunch of people I've never met, he was like, I don't care if I live a million years, I don't give a fuck about Viltrum. 
right yeah it kind of starts there because that's when mark decides he's going to try to stop his father and this starts the most painful 25 minutes of any tv show i have ever watched in my entire life i think i can say that with absolute certainty he tells him you know i messed up i i i yeah. raised you raised you as a human and i should have raised you as a vilchamite yeah you're soft and weak right and you're vilchamite in blood soft. only so therefore i'm going to spank your ass <laughs> and not only that where they were fighting, they were fighting out in the country. They were in fields. It was just them and whatever Cecil was throwing their way. So it wasn't really putting anybody else in danger. So no. Nolan- then Nolan throws him into the city. Throws him. No, into he didn't. He didn't throw him into the city. He, he punched, punched him, him into, punched into him. the city. He punched into him so hard. Chicago. He 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 punched him to Chicago. From somewhere in rural Indiana, Iowa, or Illinois, like somewhere like that, like yeah. And and the damn. thing that should have broken that really should have broken Mark was was when all the things were happening. He's like, I need to save these people, and no one says, no. You <laughs> haven't even gotten no. that far yet. <laughs> because again, while they're doing all of this, Cecil still has his drones around. So again. Debbie has seen and heard this whole conversation between Nolan and Mark. Not only that, but the guardians are watching this unfold on their screen too. And Rex is like, we need to go do something. And uh, Duplicate is like, what? We can't even keep up with them. Again, (laughs) most useless guardians of the globe ever. Like, what the fuck are they going to do? The not-so-Justice League, they are the worst. Right. Like, this is, like, the worst team ever. Right, but, I mean, Ro- uh, excuse me, Rudy, <laughs> formerly known as Robot, he tells them, no, we're we're going to stay here, and we're going to follow Cecil's orders, because this battle is beyond our current capabilities. And Black Samson says, unfortunately, he's right. We don't, there's nothing else we can do. And Adam Eve actually arrives there and she asks for an update and Rex is telling her, he was like, you know, this world has gone nuts. And the funny thing is Eve doesn't even know about Rudy slash robot yet. So she's walking into a whole bunch of weird shit on this day. But it's funny because every time they get ready to show the title card in the show, they're always saying something that leads to them using the word invincible. And that's what Rudy says. He says, you know, For this battle, I really hope Mark lives up to his name because in order to be Omni-Man, he'll need to be, and then you see the title card. (laughs) The title card, if you've noticed, the title card from episode one, every time we see it, it gets bloodier and bloodier and bloodier. And on this one, the word invincible is pretty much all covered in blood, which is not good foreshadowing for Mark because I'm like, okay, We've seen Mark almost die, what, twice during this season? Like, seriously, twice? And now he's got to battle his father, who is arguably the strongest person on the planet. Not arguably. There's no argument about that. There's absolutely no argument about that. Well, I, you know, I say arguably because... At the beginning of last episode, Cecil seemed to be in the mindset that Mark might be the only person who can destroy Omni-Man. And honestly, I think if Mark didn't have his humanity, 
if he was as cold natured as Nolan was and didn't give a fuck about his father, he probably could have gone toe to toe with Omni Man. I think I, I'm I'm gonna say I think Cecil was banking on the emotional connection more than he was Mark's physical prowess. Okay. I think I think, I think Cecil Cecil remember Cecil is you know a, a pretty decent tactician and utilizing everything at his disposal I think he was thinking that maybe Mark can get through to him mm-hmm. you know and I, and I think that that was his ultimate weapon was the emotional connection between Mark and his father well I think that's what he was counting on because I'm I'm pretty sure even if Mark <sighs> The hard thing is, even if Mark could approach Nolan's power level, uh, Nolan has, for all we know, two, three thousand years of battle experience. Yeah, this is true. And and they that that sort of on the same subject. Watching Man of Steel, and and you see Zod start to get the powers and. And he's beating up on on Clark. I like Mm -hmm. Clark. The only thing I think that saved Clark is the fact that he's not genetically engineered. He's like a pure Kryptonian who's been soaking up sunlight on this planet. That's the only thing that saved his ass, you know, when it when it came to fighting Zod. Because you give Zod two, three, four more years of some yellow sun, and I'm pretty sure Clark wouldn't stand a chance. Yeah, because he doesn't have the battle experience. He doesn't have. He hadn't had anyone to fight like that mm-hmm. yeah and and i put mark in the same category even if mark could be as powerful as i'm the man he just doesn't have the experience right so yeah mark is still in the air being thrown towards chicago nolan catches up to him and and they kind of tussle with each other mark is trying to get his father to stop he's he's imploring with him he's like look don't do this it's not too late nolan says yes it is and he just starts pummeling Mark. And I'm just like, oh, this is about to be so horrible. And Cecil has sent in fighter jets to engage because he knows that they're not going to be able to do anything to Omni-Man. He's already said, look, with everything we've thrown at him and it hasn't done anything, at, at least these fighter, you know, fighter jets can be a distraction so that Mark can do something, figure something out. And, he might as well have thrown paper airplanes at him. I mean, this man. is like, I mean, this is bullshit. How? Why are you going to sacrifice two two guys? Like two, you sent two fighters. You know, those two guys are going to are done for. Like, I mean, just like, what did he? I mean, he expected it to be a distraction, but he had to know at some point Nolan was going to Omni Man was going to catch them, tear the planes up, and beat their ass, which he did, and which he did to that one guy. And not, yeah, again, not he didn't even, really beat their ass. He just popped the guy's head again. Right. Again with the head busting. This, this is the fetish with this dude. Like he just loves busting people's head. Like does he? It's like it's like people's heads are like pimples to him. Like he just has to pop them. Like in case he gets like to it. <laughs> yeah, and it's like once they hit him with the missiles and everything, Nolan crashes into one of the planes, and you know the pilot has ejected, and his chute won't open and so mark saves him he brings him to the ground safely just for his father to appear behind the guy and decapitate him right in front of mark's face and it it was that was 
all day pettiness. Oh, and then he says, where's the other one? <laughs> yeah. At this point, I'm going, okay, he is clearly, oh, all of these years has been holding something that was in him because he he was playing nice, he was playing a part, but when he finally gets to cut loose, you just see how incredibly ruthless he really and truly is. And I'm thinking that the rest of the heroes, once they look back at this, are going, huh, you know what? It was there all along, you know? Yeah. And part of it is psychological. Like, he's by himself trying to take for this planet. You show them that you are absolutely the one. And you just demoralize them by showing everyone in the world how incredibly ill-equipped they are to handle someone like him. Like, you just don't beat people to a pulp. You literally crush them. And with no remorse, like, Mark, no remorse. Mark charges at him. He's like, you killed him. He was like, now we're in 50 years. What's the difference? He'd be dead either way. And he's like, oh, did, did seeing him die hurt? Did that hurt you? Well, let's see how you handle this. And then he starts, he punches Mark and Mark's, he literally flies into buildings. Or I, I think the first time he, he, he landed in the street and tore the concrete in the street for miles, it looks like. And this is the start of like one of the worst fight scenes I've ever seen because Nolan, he shows no mercy at all. Even with Mark's landing in the city, there are casualties. Cars go flying. He's crashed through buildings. You know, there's got to be people in that area and you've got people on the street. They're just running. They're screaming. Everybody's scared. You've got people under cars. There's this little girl who's looking at her mother who's crushed under a car. A building is about to come down. He goes, he goes and tries to keep this building from falling. And he realizes that there is a mother and a daughter trapped inside one of the apartments and they almost slide out and he catches the mother while you know he's still holding on to the building trying to keep the building from falling he's trying to make sure the little girl doesn't fall and he's trying to reassure them and there's an explosion in the building where i don't know if it was omni man who came and pushed the building or if the building just fell because mark just wasn't strong enough to keep it from collapsing but when you know when the smoke clears <laughs> It's just, it's mayhem. Like there are cars crushed under the building. Mark gets up. He's still holding on to the lady's hand, but he realized the lady's arm is not attached to her body anymore. The little girl is dead. It's just, it's, it's a lot. So brutal. And it's so like, we thought Mark was going <laughs> to, he couldn't handle it when the Flaxons came and started killing everybody. That's a good that point. was hard for him to sit there and witness knowing that he couldn't he couldn't save everybody all at once you he's only one person you can't be in a thousand places at the same time but to know that this destruction this loss of life is at the hands of your father and when you ask him when you when you're like why did you do this Noah's response is that was your fault your stubbornness against the inevitable killed those people and he says, how many more need to die? It's up to you. And he proceeds to whoop 
Mark's ass all through the city, all into the subway, just all over the place. It's just, it's just horrible. And Mark is still trying to reason with his father. And he was like, you keep talking about these useless and pathetic lives. He's like, is mom's life pathetic? And Nolan says in the grand scheme of things, and we see Debbie looking at this, waiting for this answer. He says, yes. And Debbie finally breaks down. And it's just like fucking douchebag, man. I swear to God. Like even, even when she suspected that he had killed the guardians, she was still trying to make sense of it because this was her husband. I think she probably still thought that there might be something worth saving in him. That's all gone now. It's just like, uh, well, yeah, it's it, like like when when Mark says, "I need to save these people," and he says, "No, man." And then he then he proceeds to have him stand there as a subway train goes through him and people's bodies just splattered that scene holy that's just i mean just holding his arm straight out and just like letting the subway go around him and you just see like people splattering against him as the subway train i mean i was just like fuck dude that was brutal he's trying to show him these people are nothing they mean nothing and 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 the sad thing is most of them are dying by Mark's hand because Mark is putting his hand up trying to stop the train. And as the people are coming at him with the speed of the train and the impact, they're just being torn to pieces because Mark's holding his hands up. It, that scene. And then of course the train derails and everybody who was on the platform is splattered and killed and mark is just sitting there he can't do anything and omni man is still like these people are useless to us they're meaningless to us they're caveman without us you know there's a little kid sitting there couldn't have been more than a toddler and there's a, a person stuck up under the train with his hand like reaching out for somebody to get him Nolan goes over and steps on the train and crushes the hand. It's just like, it's so excessively brutal. And, and, and like, I'm watching this. And when I was watching, I was thinking the same thing. Um, I think there's something to what Cecil was hoping would happen. Because at any point in time, any point in time, Nolan could have killed him. Nolan, I'm telling you, could have killed Mark whenever mm-hmm. he wanted to. Yeah. But he was doing the same thing that he let the the beast man or whatever battle battle cat battle, or whatever battle, battle beast. beast. Yeah. He let him do just like when he dropped the guy and waited until the last possible second to save him. It's like I'm gonna beat you within an inch of your life to see if you will change your mind. Because he could have killed him at any point in time. But like Hanako said, he beat him senseless for 30 minutes like and lectured him he could have killed him at any moment yeah. so i think there was something to where cecil was hoping would happen that there was some little piece of of nolan there's something in nolan's heart that would make him just like stop 
but it didn't it didn't look that way no because even <laughs> even after this subway scene you know nolan he pushes mark through the surface and he's trying to he's trying to take him out to space i don't know if he was just gonna leave him there or what the case was mark gets away from him and he tells mark he was like you just don't get it mark he was like my time on this planet has been a speck in my life you don't know me he says i will burn this planet down before i spend another minute living amongst these animals and i mean it and, and mark tries to punch him and it makes no impact nolan looks at him like please he punches mark and of course he starts wailing on him he's punching i mean at this point mark's whole costume is pretty much covered in blood yeah and nolan is I mean, he's playing, he's he's like a predator playing with his food at this point. He's punching Mark through the air. And as Mark goes flying, he flies around to where Mark is about to land. He punches him again, sends him back across the sky. And he does this several times. He's playing with his food at this point. He's literally playing, playing superhero Pong. It's just like that game Pong, like boop, boop, boop. I'm telling you, he he is either... He is either trying to make Mark realize what's going on or he's trying to convince himself because if you really, really listen to what he's saying, it's almost as if he is trying to convince himself that this is what he has to do, what he's supposed to do. But he, he can't bring himself to kill Mark. He just can't do it. And he's spending all this time lecturing Mark about how worthless and, and beneath him humans are and how he's trying to prove it over and over again. But it really seems like maybe he's trying to convince himself and, and not Mark. Because it's obvious that Mark is not going to change his mind. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah. and I think he, he probably feels like he's grown soft because he has a family on Earth when he was really supposed to be be get, be readying them for conquest for Viltrum. And it's like he really, I mean, really, he failed in his mission because he hasn't conquered anything. He just he he's just, literally beating himself up. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's literally that's what he's doing. He, I mean, he he's like he's he's trying, he's just I mean, I, I kinda I agree with you because it's it's he, he's coming face to face with the fact that he allowed himself to get drawn in by a human woman and start a family instead of fulfilling his mission of getting Earth ready to become part of Viltrumite Empire. And he's failed at that. So it's like now I, I am totally on board with Hanukkah now. This man loved Debbie more than he wants to admit. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's acting like this. I like I said, I think I think he was fully prepared. If Mark hadn't have gotten his powers, he could have lived life with Debbie and Mark for, you know, a few for like I said, a few years to him is probably a lifetime less. Debbie could have lived to 80 and Mark and and Nolan would not have changed at all. He could have lived with her and been happy and been like, okay, now I guess it's time to do what I need to do. Or the other thing I'm thinking is maybe him being on the planet for 20 years. Again, this is a speck in his lifetime. He's looked around and he's seen, okay, I see what the strongest is that they have. This planet will, it will take nothing to conquer this planet. And I mean, he pretty much says as much as he's beating Mark's ass. He's like, yeah, this planet is nothing. These people are nothing. And it's, it's just, I, 
again, I, I really feel like he could have been happy. And he says he was happy for a bit. That's all he needed was just a bit because that's all it is for him. Once Debbie died, Mark would have been a little bit older, but he would have, you know, he's had Viltramite, so he wouldn't have aged. Maybe after Debbie died and after all of Mark's friends died and the people that he cared about died, he probably would have approached Mark and been like, oh, okay, you know what? Well, this is really what I'm here to do. And since you don't have superpowers, I'm just going to lay it out for you because at that point, there really isn't going to be anybody who can, who can take him on, you know? He, he could have done that. And I think he wanted to. But again, once Mark got his powers and now that everything is out in the open and Mark is being so adamantly against him, I think at this point, Nolan is like, okay, you know what? Fuck you. Fuck this planet. Fuck everybody. I'm going to do what I came here to do. Because in his mind, he feels betrayed by Mark. Because Mark is half Viltramite. He's supposed to want this. You want it to be like me, remember? Well, this is me. This is what you wanted. This is what we need to do. And he says it, you know, I never should have raised you as a human. That was my fault. You've had a soft and painless life. That needs to change now. He's like, your, your, what did he say? Your true education begins now. And again, he starts whooping Mark's ass like nobody's business. And I'm pretty sure that's probably what they did on Viltrum when they cleansed the planet. They fought them to the death like that. And he's going to fight Mark. If, if not to the death, it's probably going to be pretty damn close. And he probably thinks that once Mark is near death at the hands of him, he'll probably acquiesce and be like, okay, I'll do it. Maybe that's what he's hoping. Yeah. But Mark, I mean, Mark, again, Mark, Mark is so is really determined to be a, a, a hero to humans not necessarily a soldier for Viltrum. So he, so that's really ingrained in him because that's what he saw his dad doing. So mm-hmm. he can't, I mean, he's not going to change midstream. You can't, I mean, just like, it's just like the great, the great philosopher Jay-Z said, can't change the hero's game in the ninth inning or something <laughs> like that. I'm not sure. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that Omni-Man needs to know and needs to understand that just because you're part this, part that, and your your uh, your people have this uh, view, doesn't mean that you're gonna instantly. Uh, well, I guess I use the old-fashioned word, cloven to it. I mean, he just normally expected that Mark was going to side with Dad's people. I mean, and as far as him whether he was happy or not, I, I believe that he was happy. But I also believe that, like you guys said, he was thinking about everything that has happened over the last 20 years. I think that if Mark would have shown just a little bit more interest in uh, what they were going to do as far as, you know, the Viltrumites with the planet, I think that he would have maybe not have been asked so much because he really, you could see he was really heartbroken because if you're the only person of your people on a planet and you've been sent there for a specific mission, you get lonely. So when his son finally got powers, it was like, you, you have to think he's probably been waiting for this for 20 years, you know, and he just got overly excited, over anxious over the fact that his son finally is like him. And that means that whatever he says, he's, he expects him to go along the questions asked. I mean, that's just my two cents. Yeah. Yeah. But I think at this point, Nolan is so pissed about everything and about Mark not falling into line. He just doesn't give a fuck anymore. Like I said, he's he's beating Mark's ass through the air. 
I'm watching it in the background now. He just crashed through a cruise ship and stuck his face in the bottom of the ocean floor. Then he crashes back through the cruise ship, getting out of the ocean and throws him into the mountains. And the mountains, it, it gets to a point, he's, he starts beating Mark into the mountain and it causes an avalanche. And the townspeople below, of course, are victims because the avalanche covers the whole town. It covers Mark. I mean, Nolan is, he is ruthless. I know we always talk about in sci-fi, like Vulcans have no emotions. Oh no, he puts them to shame. But I have to say for as bad as he's getting his ass beat and for how heartbroken, you know, Mark has to be that he is now seeing his father's true colors. He's still has the heart of a superhero. He's still telling his father, I'll stop you. I'll find some way to stop you. And Nolan's like, yeah, I'm ready for you when, when you are. He's like, you're doing this for nothing. Being a part of the empire will make earth better than it ever was. And Mark is like, well, what if they resist? And that's when Nolan tells him, that's what we're here for. We're supposed to show them how wrong it is and how pointless it is for them to resist. We can teach them that they can be some part of something bigger or they can die. And again, Mark stands up to him and Nolan is like, you know what? <sighs> he says, you want to die for this planet? Fine. What 17 more years? I can make another son. Dude. That got me right there. Yeah. That I can that, always start again like and make another kid. And he's like literally punching Mark in his face to the point where he knocks three of Mark's teeth out. He, like, he's just, at this point, I don't even know how Mark still has a face. I don't know how Mark is still alive, except for the fact that he's part Viltrumite, because Nolan is doing more to him than he did to anybody else. He's beating him more than he did the Guardians. And it's just, again, brutal. It's cold. It's uncalculated. He's just leashing all of his fury on this poor kid. It's like fury and frustration, like a combination of both. Just like he is he, I think I think it's mostly frustration that he that Mark isn't going along with what he's saying. Like we've been saying, like it's like he's like, How can you not want to be with me? It's like we're so superior to them. Why won't you act superior with me? I know I'm superior. You need to know you're superior. Why aren't you acting like you're superior like I am? And he then he's literally trying to beat it with beat it into him but he's actually beating Mark within an inch of his life. Like just like pummeling the shit out of right. him. Then the flashback comes when he's watching him play baseball. And that just brought all kinds of memories back. It just, it reminds me so much of Lex Luthor and Superman, whenever they're having, you know, the fight, especially when Lex is in the power suit, you know, Lex is berating him and he's telling him that you shouldn't be Earth's hero. You know, I should be, but at the same time, He's also saying, you know, you've got all this power. You're the man. And yet and still, da-da-da-da-da. It's like he can't make up his mind. It was sort of what we have here. I mean, it just it just struck me. I mean, especially if you go back and you look at Smallville or some of the current episodes of Supergirl. I mean, Lex really, truly is jealous of the power. But at the same time, he doesn't want him to have the power. He would rather the power, if he did have it, be used a different way. I mean, it was, it's... It just reminded me of that so much. But the whole thing with him and the son and the baseball and, you know, thing, it, I don't know, this part I think got me a little bit more seeing Mark as a kid 
versus him, you know, what's happening to him now, because you can see the hope. You can see in Nolan's eyes that, you know, Debbie encourages him to get involved a little bit more. That He really, at this point, I believe, is actually trying to, quote unquote, fit in with the humans. Yeah, and I think it's because Debbie is, Debbie is teaching him. Debbie was his educational human. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the flashback that we see, it has to do, it, it connects to the fact that Nolan has knocked out Mark's teeth while he's beating him in the face. And in the mm-hmm. baseball flashback, Mark is snaggled too. You know, he looks to be maybe about six or seven. He's playing T-ball. Debbie's in the stands being a great supportive parent. Nolan is kind of off to the side with a frown. He's like, why do I even have to watch this? Like, I can be doing so many other things right now. And Debbie talks to him she's like look that's our son we made him when he feels joy we feel joy how can you see that and not feel the same way and he's still looking at her like I don't know what you're talking about and then as she tells him she says as we get older it's harder to feel that the weight of the world it bogs us down and she's she's really kind of like appealing to him and you can see him kind of softening up a little bit. And then Mark hits a home run and Debbie is still cheering on Mark, but she's also still telling Nolan, she's like, look, our children remind us of the joys in life. We have to enjoy it. You know, it takes us back. It shows us what life is all about. And this is where Nolan starts thinking, you know, she's like, this is humanity. And you can see Nolan kind of take it in like, oh, okay, I can get this. And, you know, he, he actually gets excited for Mark. And, you know, Mark, when he scores his home run and he goes to his parents, who does he go to? He doesn't go to the parent that's always been cheering him on. He goes to the parent that it probably was hard to kind of get that kind of approval from. So this flashback is supposed to I guess it's supposed to humanize Nolan for us because when the flashback is out, we see Mark and his face is a mangled mess. Like there are chunks missing out of his lip, out of his chin, out of his jaw, out of the bridge of his nose. One of his eyes is completely swollen shut. He has a nugget the size of an apple on his cheek. Like I said, he's missing several teeth and he's just sitting there. And Nolan, after he has this flashback, he kind of stops for a minute. And I think at this point, it's supposed to make us think that Nolan has some regrets. I'm sorry, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. It just, the way that they put it in there and his sudden change of heart, you know, where he kind of stops. I mean, you already knew you were killing your son. Don't sit here and feel guilty now just because you see you popped a couple of teeth out. To me, that does nothing to change his character. And then, of course, classic abuser behavior. His question to Mark is, why are you making me do this? I was like, you know what? Fuck Mm -hmm. you, Nolan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Fuck you. He's like, you're fighting so you can watch everyone around you die. Think, Mark, you'll outlast all of them. You're going to see this world crumble to dust and blow away. What will you have after 500 years? And Mark gasps and he was like, you dad, I'll still have you. I believe that that moment probably brought Nolan down more than anything else. Because after the beating you just gave this, this child, he's still hopeful and he's still thinking, 
I could have been happy Dad. we could have lived a thousand lives, but you and I would still be here and that would be enough for me. Right. And I don't think Nolan ever, him being a Viltrumite, I don't think, I think it was you, Anthony, who said something earlier in the episode about Nolan being alone. I don't think he ever understood that, yeah, you can be, you can be by yourself or you can just have this one other person and you can be okay. It doesn't have to be about conquering something. It doesn't have to be about a mission. It doesn't have to be about doing anything. You can just, you can just be, I mean, you have how many years under your belt and this is all your life has ever been. Don't you want to do something different? You know, but Omni-Man, he sits there, he looks at his hands, his bloody hands that are like filled with the blood of his son. And he looks at Mark and he just takes off and he leaves the planet. He it, He's upset, which we understand, but it's kind of like, at this point, I don't know if he's more upset that he beat his son almost to death or if he's upset that he allowed his son to get to him. I feel like it's the latter because now he's probably going to look at himself as being weak. Like, oh, I've been on this planet for too long. Now, you know, I've let this little plea of emotion stop me from what I'm doing. Yeah, I definitely, I I mean, he probably had so many things going through his head because you you could tell like in his expression, like after the flashback to Mark hitting the home run, it's like he still wanted to punch him. But then he was. It looked like he was trying to shake off the feeling, the memories that he was get that he was getting. Like he was like closing his eyes and shaking his head. Then it's like after Mark said, "said I'll have you," and he looks at his hands and it's like he just and he can't. It's like he can't put it together. Like he can't decide which Omni Man he wants to be. Mm. Does he want to be the dad or does he want to be the conqueror? So he's like, he's uh, he's actually caught between both worlds and he's just like, I have no idea what I want to do. So he just takes off. I, I think that that was the moment that Cecil was looking for. I think yeah. that was what Cecil was counting on. That yeah, but that look, at, look at the cost. Hey, versus what could have happened? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, <laughs> versus I mean, worst case scenario, this was a win. But I mean, it's as far it's, as Cecil goes. Yeah, but because Cecil sends his team to go and retrieve Mark off the mountain, and the newscasters, you know, we hear a news news broadcast about the devastation in Chicago, and you see William watching the news, you see Art watching the news, you see Amber watching the news, you see everybody is just like, what the fuck just happened? You know, the Mahler brothers are watching it like, yo. <laughs> All right. I got the newscast. I don't, I don't I don't know why I'm like this. It's like I like writing down these long-winded monologues. It's like like I'm Shakespeare or something. Okay, so this is what the guy says. This is the scene in downtown Chicago as darkness falls on the day the world changed. Omni-Man and Invincible touched down here during the terrible battle. And this is the part where you see Will looking at his phone crying. He says, the damage you can see behind me was done in a matter of minutes. And then it focuses to Art in his shop, drinking and looking sad with all the costumes around him. He says, in a matter of minutes, for they carried their fight elsewhere. I can't begin to explain the devastation, the pain, the loss. At this point, this is where the Mahler brothers are setting fire to the warehouse 
But when they walk out, they're instantly surrounded by Cecil's men getting ready to take him back to jail. Then the reporter says, it's like nothing, nothing I've ever seen. And we're all asking the same question. How could someone who promised to keep us safe, to protect us against any threat, become that threat? Without answers, all we can do is hold each other as we pick up the pieces. City planners estimate that it'll take weeks to clear this area before rebuilding can begin. The cost in lives is incalculable. Thankfully, the Guardians of the Globe and Adam Eve are on the scene. There's been no sign of Omni-Man or Invincible since yesterday. In time, we hope to know what ended this attack, but for now, we could be thankful that the danger is behind us. And it's like, you know, the classic montage showing everybody, but it's like, I was, I was kind of struck by, the reason I wrote it down was that I was kind of struck by the tone of it. Like, it's kind of like, it, it's kind of like how all disasters, it's like nobody wants them to happen, but when they happen and you see someone on the news reporting it, it's like you're, you're, drawn to it and you're like attached to it where you want to see what happened but you don't want to see what happened it's like you want to know the details but you don't want to know the details so i mean i think that's what this is and the montage shows how everybody's taking it it's like you see i think in this one you see amber looking at her phone you see the guardians cleaning up everything you see will brought to tears and you see Art, poor Art. I mean, I feel bad for Art because Art was just, Art sitting there, he really didn't have anybody besides besides Nolan who was a real friend to him. And now Nolan's gone and he really doesn't have a friend. So it's just really, it, it really, really struck me as kind of a real thing where it's saying, what are we going to do now? It's like that real helpless feeling of, not knowing what the next, not even the next minute or hour holds, much less the next day, the next week. It's like everybody's whole world's been turned upside down and they're just like, um, I have no idea what's going to happen next. It's the end of the world for them, you know. Because they know <laughs> it, but no one feels fine. And I'm going to stand by my belief that he could have killed Mark whenever he wanted to. And he was really just 100%. talking to himself. He was really trying to talk himself out of, like, he was hating the fact that he allowed himself to fall in love and and be in love with these quote-unquote pets. I can agree with that. As he called Debbie. And he he was essentially beating himself up the whole time. He was taking it out on Mark. Because he could have killed him yeah. whenever yeah, he, he wanted. He chose not to. Yeah, It's really sad yeah, it when, you, when you really look at it. Like, why else would he just walk away? Like he just, he just said, he just left because he couldn't kill Mark. He couldn't follow through on what he wanted to do, what he was supposed to do, and he was hating himself for it. And then he's going to hate himself for doing that to Mark and doing that to Debbie. So he's done. Oh, Mark's recovery. So. We, we see a scene of him in the hospital and he is bad off. Like both of his legs are broken. It looks like both of his arms are broken. His head is bandaged up in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven spots. He's got 
swollen eyes. He's got a busted lip. He's got bruises everywhere. This has to be maybe, I don't know, a few days after because the swelling in his eye is significantly down. And like I said, his eye was pretty much closed shut. And um, poor thing, Debbie, you know, Debbie tries to comfort him and says, you know, I'm so proud of you. And Mark doesn't want any, he doesn't want any comfort. He doesn't want any, he's hurting, you know, and poor Debbie, she walks out of the hospital room and she just collapses. And I think this is the first time we've really, really seen Debbie take a moment for herself throughout the whole series after, even after finding out and figuring out that Nolan killed the guardians, you know, we saw her drinking some wine, but she never fell apart like this. And Cecil approaches her and he's very practical in a way. And Debbie doesn't appreciate it at first. So, you know, it's like he's telling her, we still want to preserve Omni-Man's identity and keep your mark safe. We're telling people that Nolan Grayson died when the house across the street exploded from a gas leak, which is the house that they were monitoring them from. And apparently Nolan's career was writing travel books which for someone of his talents (laughs) that probably was a good thing to do you know that was something smart they've apparently always been bestsellers so Cecil is basically telling Debbie that she and Mark are going to be okay financially they will take care of everything else and I think Cecil is He's really doing what he can do for her. And of course, she's grieving. She's angry. And she initially takes it the wrong way. And then she realizes, you know what? You're doing a very big kindness for us. Because what was she going to do? What what kind of story was she going to be able to tell? Like, I think at this point, Debbie doesn't even know what to think. You know, she doesn't know if Nolan's going to try to come back. She doesn't know if he's going to come back and try to hurt her, hurt Mark. There's a lot of things that she would have to sit there and figure out. And Cecil was just trying to make it easier because he feels guilty too. He's like, Nolan was here doing all of this right up under my nose and I never saw it. So the only thing I can do is try to make things as right as I possibly can. I mean, that's that's a tall order. You can't really do that with this situation. There is no, There is no fixing it. The poor guardians, they go back to guardians headquarters and they're exhausted from doing all of the cleanup in Chicago. And Rex happens to look up from where he's collapsed on the floor and he sees the blood splatter that was remaining from the first guardians murder. And he goes over and he tries to clean it. And at first Black Samson goes over to him and he's like, you can't do that. We haven't earned it yet. And, And you know, this is the first time throughout this whole series that I respected Rex Plode because he stood up. He was like, really? He's like, look, fuck off. I'm going to keep cleaning it. And when Black Samson gets ready to fight Rex, all of the rest of the team, they gear up like they're about to defend Rex. And then we realize Black Samson did that as a test. He's like, okay, now we look like a team. All right, let's clean this shit up. And I was like, really, you had to go through all that after after everything that y'all just went through? That wasn't indicative. That was classic Teen Titans mode right there. I know. Right. That was Teen Titans. <laughs> that was Cyborg. That was such a Boy Scout move, though. It's like, you know, okay, I'm going to attack you. Let me see if everybody else falls in line and tries to protect him. Oh, uh, okay. Stop doing that. 
Oh, there you guys are. Hey, we're a team now. Again, right, that was all, Robin and Beast Boy and Cyborg Stop. up in the mix. <laughs> but it was something that uh, you kind of half expected to see in this episode because that's how they're going to usually wrap stuff up, you know, for them to be, you know, a team, you know, after something traumatic happens. So I, I, I think I would have been disappointed if we didn't see that scene in this episode. Yeah, but I was just like, dude, you could have waited a day. You could have let everybody get some rest before you did that. But, you know, the, the next little bits of, I guess you can kind of say it, a montage that we see, we kind of see what's going on with everyone post-fight. You know, you see Amber and William walking through the halls of their school and they're not speaking to each other. They're really not speaking to anyone else. You see the people in the city just kind of looking at their phones, just kind of wandering around. Art is still fixing costumes and he has to look across at a photo of him and Nolan on a fishing trip. And he takes the photo and he throws it in the trash. You see the Guardians training together cohesively for probably the first time. Adam Eve has traveled back to her little corner of the world. We also see Mark being treated in the hospital. It's kind of one of those things where we see life goes on, but it's still very heavy. And as they're going back to their lives, Amber is at the soup kitchen. She's still, you know, like I said, everybody is is still living their life. Debbie is practically sleeping in the hospital room with Mark. I can't remember if they actually said how long it's been, but William goes over to Mark's house and the mail is just kind of everywhere. The newspapers are everywhere. So William kind of straightens up once he realizes Mark is still not back home. And as he turns around to walk off, he runs into Eve and you know, they both kind of talk to each other, you know, have you heard from Mark? What's going on? And it's one of those things (laughs) because we talk about the fact that William can't hold water. So while he's talking to Eve, he's like, oh yeah, I haven't heard from him since all this stuff happened with his dad. He's like, oh shit. And she was like, wait, you know he's invincible? And he's like, oh, you know too? Wait a minute. Oh, thank God. I thought I blew it. William can, oh my God. I, I, well, we knew William can hold water. And he, 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 can't, he can't hold a note if he, could, if he could actually sing. He is the, he just, he, he just says whatever's on his mind. He just lets it go. Like, damn, dude, like, for real? Like, jeez. No, what was, when she's like, oh yeah, I met him in costume. <laughs> she's, she's like, oh, I'm Adam Eve. He's like, oh, I, I can actually see it. Yeah, I'm like, okay, so everybody's just telling everybody who they are now. It's like before, Mark couldn't tell anybody he was invincible, but now it's just, they're just like bouncing secret identities. They're handing secret identities out like flyers to a strip club in Vegas, like just. Well, actually, uh, she hadn't told him yet. She didn't tell him until a little bit later when they were all sitting in the diner together with Amber. Yep, yep. But, oh, um, that's right. That's right. <sighs> But Mark, when he wakes up in the hospital, he has a conversation with Cecil and Cecil's like, okay, so we're going to talk about some things, but you got to get your rest. Mark's like, no, 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 no. I need to know what's going on. I need to know what we're doing. I need to know what happened. And Cecil tells him, okay, I'll tell you what's going on, but it depends on whether you want to still be a hero or not. You can't ask somebody that when they literally just almost lost their life to the superhero that is their father. Give him yeah, but car. but I mean, but but Cecil needs an answer because he's got to figure that shit out. Yeah, because there's no telling when when no one's coming back. 
So he's like, all right, you in or you out. And they've got shit happening all over the world. I'm yeah, saying crime don't so, stop just because of that. Gotta, I mean, crime probably to... increased in, in the Chicago area because it's all messed up. And, and Kaiju's don't Kaiju's don't care about your That's family. Kaiju's, don't, Kaiju's probably don't even understand what went on. They're just gonna Kaiju's gonna Kaiju. That's all they're gonna do. <laughs> right. But uh, this little secret room inside the Pentagon that Cecil takes Mark into this all white room. Did anybody else feel like they were walking into the Matrix? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I did too. But but I don't appreciate I don't appreciate them feeding into the conspiracy theories out there who all believe this crap. Well, exactly. It's it's basically the fluoride water conspiracy all over again. The fluoride in the water, right? I was like, I was like, oh, so (laughs) they don't brush their teeth, don't have any fluoride in their system. That's how they can see anything. The fuck out of here with that. Uh, but yeah, that was pretty cool though. I mean, and all the stuff that they had going on, they had all the experimental lasers, and they showed a mortal being put back together and shit. again, again, again. Like, god damn. I mean, he's been being held together with bailing wire and hope now. It's like, <laughs> damn, how many times can they put him together? Well, I mean, his name is Immortal. I'm just saying, it's got to get tiring. It's like, I wonder, this, there's going to be one time, like after he gets put together for like the fifth or sixth time, he's going to be like, look, man, I'm just going to be a farmer. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go out here and like work a field or some shit. Like, yeah, y'all can, y'all can fight. He, he's time. probably done that. He's probably done that already. <laughs> he's tried that. <laughs> it didn't work. Like, damn. Like, yeah. this dude, poor guy. Cecil has a lot of work cut out for him, but you know, he he tells Mark that they monitored Nolan until he left the solar system and they say he didn't change, you know, trajectory. So we know that he's gone far, far away. And now we need a new person to protect the earth. And Mark is like, Man, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. And you know, Cecil tells him, he's like, look, your dad didn't really leave me with a lot of options past the guardians of the globe. There's really no other option. What about those hundreds of people? I mean, I know they're probably not great, but they can help a little bit. That's just- Helico, where, yeah, where did we tell you last episode? I'm just saying, it's kind of no. like if you have a world with Superman, what was it that you said, Anthony? You were saying that when Omni-Man was teaching Mark that he didn't need to be involved in little things, that he had bigger fish to fry, those other hundreds of lower superheroes, they can be the ones handling the little things. Because you have heroes called Squirrel yeah, they're, Girl they're... and Crazy Quilt. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. But still, yeah. If they had Squirrel Girl, well, that's all they would have needed because she could she could have beat Nolan with okay, her hands well, tied around her back. Okay, because that's what she does. She beat she beats Fine, overpowered spot, characters. Beat. Like she beats she beat Thanos. She beat Wolverine. She beat anybody who's stronger than her. She beats. So that's that's what they should have had. But it's like well, I I, I think know. you're I think the the implication is that with the the superheroes you've got suits or Superman at the top. And then you've got these characters, you know, the chick at the bottom. By the way, chick is awesome. But my thing is, is that as far as power sets are concerned, unless they come from a different planet, usually they max out at a certain power level unless they're a mutant. And I haven't seen any mutants in this world. So when he left, that probably did leave uh, Invincible as being the most uh, super powered person on the planet. And let's face it, their guardians are basically weak. I mean, they're working together now, but 
you know, I didn't see a Tony Stark around. I mean, I don't count robot as that. So, you know, I mean, at best, they can hold off a first round of an invasion. But other than that, it's local stuff. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Invincible's the strongest person until Battlebeast gets back. Then Battlebeast is like he's gonna Battle run Beast. through everybody. He's gonna wreck everyone. <laughs> well, hopefully, we won't see. I, yeah, Martin needs a break. He doesn't need any other big bads in his life right now. He needs he needs to be sipping a daiquiri somewhere on a beach, recovering. <laughs> he needs to talk to Alan the alien and be like, you know what, that that thing y'all yeah, well, we were talking about. He does do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, up? we're getting there. Yeah, we're getting there. he does do that. Yeah, we, we're, we we're getting there. But, but he did do that, um, didn't he? You know, yeah, we, okay. we have to go through. We have to go through the painful journey of Mark and Debbie coming back home for the first time. Cecil and his guys—they they fixed up the house. They tried to make everything seem as normal as it can be. And Debbie goes upstairs to lay down, and Mark goes into the living room where again everything has been fixed from when Nolan killed like a whole bunch of people in their house and he goes over and he looks at some of the family portraits that they have and you can hear different things playing back in his memory he replays the moment where he realized he had his powers and when he tells his father and and Nolan gives that fake oh yeah Mark that's great again I think that was the moment where Nolan was like shit okay idyllic happy life is over now it's time to go to work you know i think that was where he came to that realization you know you hear him you hear nolan telling him if you if you really want to be like me and do what i do you have to be prepared for anything hindsight is a bitch you know you see him going through the memory of hugging Omni-Man in the hospital after Omni-Man recovered from his quote-unquote near death. His memory of telling his father, what if I can't do this? And, and Nolan saying, this is the beginning of a long journey for you and me. You're going to have to do things that you don't want to do or things you might not think you can do, but you're a Viltrumite. And, you know, he's he's telling him all of this. And again, Mark is going through all of these things in his head. And then at the same time, he's thinking about what he just experienced. And it's kind of like one of those things. Hindsight is twenty twenty. You realize Nolan was actually probably warning you about what was about to come. You just didn't know it. So Mark tries to tell his mom he's going to order something for dinner. When he goes to her bedroom, she's just in the bed sobbing. That poor baby. Like, I just want to go through the screen and give Debbie the biggest hug because she needs it. Right. You know, she doesn't, like you right. said, you know, you said this in a couple of episodes, Mark, uh, Mike, she she really doesn't have anybody. And she can't reach out to somebody like Olga because how do you do that? Oh, Olga would give her shit. Olga would, pro- yeah. But I mean, how, how, do you, how do you do that? Especially... Once that fight with Omni-Man and Immortal was on TV, even if the news helicopters couldn't pick up any audio from what they were saying, anybody who was affiliated with the Guardians of the Globe, they knew what that fight was about. The way that Immortal came after Omni-Man and beat him, if they didn't know it before, or if they only suspected before, they knew definitively at that moment, Omni-Man was the one that killed the Guardians. 
I mean, how could you not figure that out? I mean, yeah, after the confusion of actually seeing Immortal back and fighting and fighting him when he was supposedly dead, it's like, you know, they're like, wait, why is he fighting Omni-Man? Could it be? Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not that far of a walk to right. connect point A to point B with that. Okay, so this next part, I'm just going to say up front. Man. No, I'm just going to say up front, the way she came in this house was wrong. I'm, I'm going to say that up front. So... Mark is contemplating going to get dinner and the doorbell rings and it's Amber. She Mm -hmm. walks in, she gives him a hug because she's happy he's okay, which I totally understand. Then she kisses him and the first thing is, he's like, whoa, um, does this mean? And she's like, yeah, if you want. No, 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 this is the wrong time to have that conversation. No, you come over to see if your friend is okay. This is not the time to have a relationship conversation for either one of them. And she was wrong for coming in, kissing him after the conversation they had the last episode. She is playing with his emotions. That's bullshit. I don't That's think she, so, again, I don't think she's playing with his emotions. There's, she's not? No, no, no. Listen to me. You can be mad at somebody for lying to you. Mark nearly got killed and everyone saw it. And... She also figured out that Omni-Man was his dad. So not only does she know that he almost got killed by Omni-Man, she realizes he almost got killed by his father. That I can understand making her say, okay, you know what? And just like she says, look, it looks like I'm not the only one who's being lied to. Okay, yes, you can acknowledge that. But again, this is not the time for y'all to be coming, talking about relationship, talking, y'all being back together. No, this guy just went through something hella traumatic. You don't need to try to be there as a girlfriend. You need to be there as a friend. Period, point blank, whatever. I don't think she's playing with these emotions because we know Amber cared for Mark. We know she probably loved him. And the reason why she got upset with him and broke up with him was because she didn't like being lied to. I think in this moment, having seen all of that, this is the time, and this is what I was saying in the last episode. When you are upset at someone for lying to you and you get angry on it and you act on it, You're angry in that moment. When you have some time away from the situation, you can actually sit and think about what happened and how you could have reacted better, how you could have done things better, how he could have done things better. I've never said that wasn't the case. All I said was she had a right to be mad. And I still say she had a right to be upset. But having said that, seeing your friend or your ex-boyfriend or whatever you want to call them right now almost get killed on national TV that really sits in your brain and makes you think, okay, you know what? Maybe there was a reason why he was doing that. She may not have been able to rationalize that before because I don't think for her saying, oh yeah, you're a superhero probably didn't mean much in the grand scheme of things. When you see that full out fight on camera where he's having to fight his father and he's almost killed, you know what, your, your, your little thing that you were mad about, that kind of takes a back seat. You need to go see if he's okay. But again, table the relationship talk. That does not need to happen right now. Y'all don't need to look, just be there for your friend. Take him to go get some pizza. Take him to get his mind off things. That's the only thing that you need to be doing right now. This just goes further to show how toxic this relationship between the two of them is because it's like, okay. I I know I don't I'm not gonna get not gonna get into the whole drawn out 
30, 45 minute argument, argument that we had in the last last episode. Because I still I, I still owe you owe you and Straw Hat Goofy a response to that bullshit. But that's not beyond zebra. So my whole thing is I agree with you. Amber, the, the what I mean, going in and kissing him is sending the exact wrong message. Like he's gonna he's gonna think that, oh, everything's okay now. Oh, so we're going we're going we're going back to where we were. I mean, it's sending the entire wrong I message. Agree. I don't I mean. I can even accept that it was a knee-jerk reaction, like a reflex mm-hmm. reaction to see that he's okay, to give him a kiss. And maybe it, I can see that, but it doesn't change the fact that it's toxic as fuck to Mark's state of mind. He, da- mm-hmm. he damn near got killed by his dad. And you come back and you kiss him and, tra- and, and don't even say, even when, he, when he said, so we're back on, she could have been like, no, that's not what this is. She was she and she she literally left the door open for him to think about that. And like you said, he has so much other shit to take care to think about and take care of right now. He doesn't need that. He doesn't need for something else to come up and Amber to break up with him again. Right. I mean, I, I just I just really feel feel I just don't like this. I don't I like that- her at all. Oh, what the writers it? could have done with her right here like when he said whoa does this mean he could have said that's a discussion for another time i'm just happy you're okay what do you need how can i be here for you they could have done that it would have been more keeping in with amber's character but for her to come in and kiss him like you said she probably did it because she was glad to actually see with her eyes that he was okay right. at least physically so i can understand that when he automatically assumes, first of all, Mark, you shouldn't even be thinking this. But again, we've, we've already established Mark is very inexperienced in these things. And he probably was just happy to see her there. But she could have said, that's not the discussion for now. I'm just happy you're okay. And then they could have gone into the whole thing where, you know, William and Eve show up and William is talking to him. And he's like, oh, I'm so glad you're okay after everything we saw on TV, blah, blah, blah. And then Amber walks up from behind and he's like, oh, wait, Amber's here. And then it's that awkward conversation of, oh, so you know, oh, so you know, but you know, and ha- uh, hey, let's go get something to eat. That- See, can, 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 I, can I say something? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, is it possible or it is possible that she didn't really intend on breaking up with him like you because the the last couple of times they've always made up and started over and i think maybe in her mind that was probably the plan to let him sweat it out for a while you know about telling about you know not saying that he was invincible and then make up with him but she they didn't get the chance to do that. It's possible, but from what I get, and she just skipped it, and she just skipped all that and went straight back into the relationship because that's what I think maybe she wanted to begin with. But she wanted to like, I don't want to say teach him a lesson. So you think it was more of like a break instead of a break yeah. up? Like, hey, I'm mad at you. I need some space. Yeah, think I, I think I think from her perspective, I think that's probably what she had in mind. I can see that. Um, I can actually see it both ways. Like, I think she was really, really frustrated with him about mm-hmm. continuing to lie to her. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when she was like, okay, you know what, y- you can leave. I-, I think 
she might have been done at that point. I, I think I was being unreasonably hard on her about that because I started thinking about it. And yeah, she knew. And I think she just wanted to get him to understand that it really hurt her. And and she was yeah. going to be like, okay, well, now we can talk about it and have a real conversation about it now. That was going to be later, yeah, but, but they never got that because the guy's ass kicked. <laughs> yeah, because he almost right. died. And again, either way it goes, if she intended it for it to just be, you know, hey, let's take some space, or if she intended it to be, okay, I'm going to break up with you, that person almost dying will change your perspective on some things. It will make you rethink some things like, okay, you know what? If he had died, that would have been the last thing that I said to him. Those kinds of things will make you rethink how you approach certain things. And maybe that's what she had time to do. Again, Mark is completely physically healed by, at this point in the episode. So it, that had to be weeks. I mean, he had both of his legs broken. His arm was broken. His face had pieces of skin cut out. And he's also Viltrumite. That's true. Yeah, but, but I, I mean, think it said it was two weeks. Okay. Yeah. So that's enough time to stew over. Oh my God. What if he had died? That would have been the last thing I had said to him. I would have, you know, it, and, and I, I didn't even, I was just mad. I was angry. My feelings were hurt. You know, it would have been the worst case of survivor's guilt ever, but I think, and I won't even go so far as to say toxic in this instance. We've already discussed, we've already established, and even going back, listening to the earlier episodes we did, we've said Mark is not good at maintaining all of this balance in his life. He's not good at balancing the schoolwork and the home life and the girlfriend and the superhero stuff. And it's his first relationship. They don't know how to maneuver this. But lying to someone, that's not a relationship thing. That's a human trait. So if you cared enough about her especially knowing how she felt about you being late, you canceling dates, you doing this, you doing that. My whole point was if he cared about her, he should have told her the truth. And I mean, everybody else was telling him this. His dad was telling him this. Eve was telling him this. So that part of it, yeah, it's bad. I wouldn't say toxic. My point was if it continued on in that fashion, it would turn toxic. You get what I'm saying? I'm just, Once you okay. start doing things over and over and over and over again and you don't address it or if they had gotten into the breakup to makeup pattern, that's when it starts really becoming toxic. And that was what I did not want to see these two characters become. Yeah, I get it. I mean, this is just like the old saying, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So I can, I can understand that. I'm just it's just something about the way that Amber is handling all this stuff is just, is just rubbing me the wrong way. And I just. She's a 17-year-old girl who's living in the 2020s. This is a time when women are taking more control over the things that they allow and don't allow. And she was not about to be in a relationship where someone kept lying to her. That, I mean, that's literally point blank all it was. I understand all okay see we're getting see now we're getting we're getting back in back into the previous episode and i promise you i wasn't gonna do that yet so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna say that okay maybe not so much toxic it's just really it's just extremely bad timing 
Like, she, yeah, it was just really bad mm-hmm. optics. She, because to me, it just seemed like she was kind of, I mean, I know it's probably not this, but it seemed like she was, I, I don't even know, how, I don't even know, I can't really say she was taking advantage of the situation by coming in and kissing him. So I can't, I mean, I can't really say that. But yeah, it just seems like kissing him was, was was just a really, really bad decision. And it just seemed like, I mean, again, I guess we're talking about teenagers. And I mean, I can only speak from my personal experience that, you know, I mean, teenage relationships are just really, are, are just, they're really a learning experience where you're kind of learning what to do and what not to do in certain situations and how to handle things and stuff like that. And it's, I just, I don't know. It just, for some reason, she's, she's just rubbing me in the wrong way. And, but I mean, I feel like, I just feel the kind of person I, I still kind of feel bad for Adam Eve because you can see that she has feelings for Mark and you have to really recognize that since she's a super and he's a super, she can relate to him a little bit better than Amber can. Because she's been through some of the same things and she's the same kind of person. So it just seems like it's kind of like the old romantic movie trope where the guy has a girlfriend and the one girl who really, really likes him and is probably better for him keeps seeing him with her and is like, okay, fine. Or when she thinks she has a chance, but the other girl's still there and she's like, eh, okay, whatever. So I mean, it's like, and you know what happens usually in those tropes is that the other girl usually ends up getting with the guy. So I guess we'll just have to see how that plays out. Yeah. But I do like this part of the episode where now Mark has the friends that he needs around him at this time. And he can actually, I mean, you can even see it with him when they're sitting in the diner. It has to be such a relief to be able to have the three people closest to you there and you can actually now freely talk about what happened and what's going on with your life without having to worry about, oh, does this person know this? And oh, am I supposed to say this? I mean, for all of them to now be in the know with everybody like Amber, Eve, William, they all know that Mark is invincible and that Omni-Man was his dad. And for Mark, Amber, and William to now know that Eve is Adam Eve, another superhero, it makes it a little bit easier. And I think from this point on, whatever happens with Mark and Amber, whether they stay in a relationship or not, whatever, I just think it's good that now he has this support system in place where he can fully be himself without having to hide what he is, without having to hide who his parents are, what his parents do and all this other stuff. I just think maybe now from season two and season three, he'll make better decisions now because it's hard trying to live a double life. When you're trying to keep all your lies straight or you're trying to keep all your secrets straight, let's let's say it like that. Let's not say lie. When you're trying to keep all your secrets straight, that's a hard thing to maneuver, especially for a 17, 18 year old kid. So now that he doesn't have to do that anymore with these friends, maybe things will be a little bit better for him. But I mean, he can't even get this little piece in quiet right now with the four of them, because as soon as he does, here comes Cecil calling. Look, hey, I know you said you didn't want to do this, but we got somebody flying to the earth from space and we don't know who it is and what they're doing. Mark goes to space in his regular clothes, but I like this because he pulled like the Iron Man thing. He goes into space, he's flying, he's in his regular clothes. And then as he's flying, 
kind of like it did when Nolan left the earth or once he exited out the earth's atmosphere, it's almost like his suit got clean. All the blood disappeared, like his suit looked brand new. So I don't know if that's something to do with the way their suits are made. I don't know if that's something to do with them exiting out of earth's orbit, whatever the case is. But the same thing happens with Mark. He's flying and as soon as he starts exiting earth's atmosphere, his regular clothes kind of dissolve and he turns into, you know, the invincible costume comes. And I was like, oh, you look like Iron Man doing that <laughs> just a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> but he goes back to the moon or he goes towards the moon and it's Alan Alien. And it's so funny because Mark is getting ready to fight. Mark is like, okay, if this is what I have to do. This is what I have to do. And Alan is like, hey, I'm so glad I saw you. I thought I was going to be too late. And he tells them that when he went back to the coalition of planets and told them about his mistake, the first time he came to earth, he was told that earth was off limits because there's a Viltrumite living on the planet. And Mark is like, um, yeah. About that. How about we go have a talk? <laughs> right. He's like, yeah, I got the memo. Yeah. They go to the moon and he picks up another moon rock. He's like, yeah, have a seat. This might take a while. I want to know, like, Alan Alien only has one eye. I just want to know how many facial expressions he went through while Mark was telling this story. <laughs> like, wait, what? So let me get this right. You're a Viltrumite, but you don't work for them. And then your dad tried to take over the planet and he just left. And huh? How does that work? But Alan kind of tells him, he's like, you know, for Viltrumite, that's kind of weird. They don't just give up. They're relentless. He says, they destroyed my world when my people rebelled against them. And then they blew up our planet rather than lose it. Um, excuse me? That's, that's extreme. Why not just leave the people alone? If they're weak enough that you can conquer them and they just want to resist, just leave them alone. Just, it's a headache. Just leave them alone. It's not how they work though but no these people they're like no if again that's the classic uh abuser and toxic behavior if i can't have you no one will boom <laughs> really i mean that's how they are it's like you know i mean they're because they think that they are the strongest people in the universe but they like if, so, if something happens beyond their control they're just like you know what fuck this it's like it's like if they get the lead the smallest amount of resistance it's like like, all right, screw you. But I mean, that kind of shows how weak they are. It's like, you know, if you put up, I mean, if, I mean, what kind of resistance could they have put up? I mean, if they put up a big, a large resistance, I mean, I guess that's one thing that Mark can learn from Alan is like, you know, is like do research and figure out, you know, how much resistance is needed for, so that they can maybe help them lose interest. Yeah. But you know, Alan's telling him that the coalition of planets, he's like, you know, they're going to want to hear about you because there's a power struggle brewing in the farthest reaches of space. And the coalition of planets is trying to get enough worlds together to stop the Viltrumites. And he's still like flabbergasted. He's like, it's weird though. Nobody's ever heard of a Viltrumite abandoning their post before. It's never happened. So again, I, I guess they're, I don't know, they're trying to set Nolan up as, okay, he had a change of heart or maybe he's struggling or I don't, at this point, I don't give a fuck. Nolan needs to be found. Nolan needs to die. That's in, in, in the discussion. I don't mm -hmm. care. <laughs> After what he did to his son. Yeah. I, 
I don't care what kind of remorse you have. I don't care if your redemption arc is going to be long and hard fought, buddy. That's that's just all I have to say about Nolan. Yeah. He's just... Uh, It'll be interesting to see where it goes from there. I mean, it's like the only... The, the logical logical extension from that is that he's, he's going to get like another Viltrumite or two and come back and try to take over take over or he's going to try to finish his mission. One of the two things is going to happen. I say he's bringing a whole armada with him. I'm saying yeah. that he's going back and bringing the full force of them. I don't think it's one or two. Why? That 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 that's not necessary. It just takes mm. one. I don't know if he's going to do it because from what Alan says, basically what they're looking at it as it's probably going to be looked at as if Nolan abandoned his post. And he says, once word gets out about that, especially if it gets back to the Viltrumites, they're going to be the ones to send the whole army to earth to conquer the earth because they don't give up things. So Nolan abandons his post. Okay. We'll just send a whole army. And I have a feeling that once they deal with earth or if they come across Nolan, I don't think he's going to be welcomed back into the fold that, simply because if he was the quote-unquote perfect viltrumite nothing would have caused him to abandon his post so the fact that he allowed this little entanglement (laughs) you know (laughs) with debbie and mark to kind of deter him from his mission they're probably going to look at him like oh he's one of the people that we we need to eliminate he's not a perfect soldier anymore that's just the way I look at it. Well, if, if they're as thinly stretched as he made it seem, a, a Viltrumite abandoning his post is not good for the Empire because then it's, it's viewed as, oh, so I have the option of not having to be stuck out here in the middle of nowhere. Exactly. <laughs> you know, then people start questioning, well, maybe, maybe I don't really want to be here either. And you create these fractures within this Empire you know, we all know how the Roman Empire, right. quote unquote, fell because it stretched itself real thin and those outer reach territories became harder to hold on to. So that, yeah. that could be one of those things of being like, OK, well, then people started questioning, well, why did he abandon his post? Did something happen on Earth today? Were they able to repel him? And then all of a sudden you've got these places where they want to sedition starts to set in and people want to rebel and fight back and think they have a chance you know if if earth could do it that backwater planet where they have nothing then maybe we could do it too you know so that that that's that's the problem one of the problems or several of the problems with him abandoning his post is it's really not good for the empire yeah so they it, it doesn't take an armada of them to crush a planet one person one of them could do it but i guess they could do it as a show of force to say you know look this this is what we do to planets that that defy us we don't let them go so easily because with the alan alien say they blew his planet up (laughs) just got rid of it yeah he was like they blew my planet up you know they couldn't conquer it and you know we wouldn't go peaceful so they were like, oh, okay, they want to fight us. They want to rebel. They they don't want to fall in line. Okay, we're just blowing yeah. up. Because it seemed like essentially like, his planet was essentially like the Viltrumite planet where everyone was superpowered. Maybe not to the right. level of the Viltrumites, but enough to be a nuisance. Enough to be like, yeah. you know what? We don't need them. Just 
blow the plans out. <laughs> yeah, just go, you know, we'll we'll just we'll just scrub that as a loss and <laughs> be, done be done with it. Yeah, I mean, they already have thousands of planets in their empire. So this one little planet, yeah, they probably don't even have good yeah, resources. And, and yeah, it's thin as stretch. It's like if we have to leave a battalion there, it's not worth it because we need these we need these soldiers elsewhere. If one Viltrumite can't hold the planet down, then it's not worth it. And besides, yeah. the water tastes funny. It's like they put something in it. I don't know what it is about it, but it's like, it tastes weird. <laughs> oh, goodness. But um, poor Debbie. She finally gets out of the house and she goes to see Art. And I think Art is probably the only person she can, like, maybe freely talk to at this point. Because, again, I think we, we've said it before. <sighs> I feel like not only with Mark and Debbie, but I think at some point, Nolan probably really considered Art a friend, maybe more than anybody else on the planet. Because even when he thought Art was maybe conspiring with Debbie against him or whatever, he went and he put some feelers out there. He went and kind of shake things out. And then when Art just kept playing along, he was like, oh, okay, I don't have to kill him because I think he would have killed Art otherwise if he didn't feel like, okay, this is probably the only friend I have. And so now this is the only person Debbie has to turn to. And she's torn. She's like, I can't believe that he did all of this. I can't believe that our time together was a lie. She said, but you know, I spent so much time thinking about if he killed the guardians and why he would do it that I didn't think what would happen to me and Mark afterwards. Like I didn't get that far. And unfortunately that happens when you're so steeped in your anger, you don't think about the consequences and you don't think about the actions and what's going to happen. But even in all of that, even having heard everything that he said about her and about the humans and about just how he doesn't care she still wants him to come back. And I think that's so sad because Nolan obviously was able to, for the most part, turn off his feelings about her, but she's human. She can't do the same. That's not something you just get over in two weeks. That's a huge betrayal. It's a huge loss for her. And now she's going to have to navigate and try to figure out how to how to move forward. I feel so bad for her. Yeah, it's yeah, terrible. So. But in the midst of all of this, right towards the end of the episode, after Alan and Mark have their discussion, we kind of see where everyone else is at this moment in time from the beginning of the episode. So we see that on Mars, they're being taken over by the little squiggly things because that one squiggly thing took over the astronaut and he's just there conquering the Mahler brothers are back in prison and the guy who makes the good, what was it? What was it? Chicken pot pies. Chicken pot pie. Yeah. Yeah. It was the chicken pot pies. So he's sitting there, he's still guarding them, but he's got the neck brace and he looks pretty pissed off because of what they did to him in order to get out the prison. Um, but yeah, the Mahler brothers are locked back up. The Flaxons are apparently on a different world planning revenge against Omni-Man for destroying theirs and then you have the um, homie, Doctor Seismic. He didn't die. As a matter of fact, he didn't die. But there's some weird creatures in the volcano with him. I think so. Mole man. <laughs> so no, it's actually a little character. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be interesting to see what he does because we discussed it when we talked about his episode. I don't really look at him as a villain because he had some good intentions. <laughs> 
but we'll see what that is. You see Titan looking out over his city, and we see the dragon. Okay, so was that that was the dragon that was attacking him in Italy? Yes, but here's the funny thing. Why did that man walk in and I was like, what is Uncle Iroh doing in this show? <laughs> oh, <laughs> because he reminded me of a skinny Iroh, you know, but yeah, he, so apparently this guy turns into a dragon and he's working either with Titan for Titan now, something. Um, you have Battle Beast on another planet about to, I don't know, attack, take over, whatever the case is. Cecil has Cecil 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 has a whole fucking army of those damn cybernetic zombies or whatever they are yeah. <sighs> fucking zombie bots like damn fucking Sinclair with that shit eating smile like yeah man man yep so the episode ends on kind of a light note because while we're seeing this montage of what everybody else is up to. Alan has asked Invincible the question. He's like, okay, so what now? What are you going to do now? And Mark is like, I'll finish high school, I guess. And Alan's like, okay, cool. What's Sounds high school? Cool. <laughs> get the credits. That and funny. that's the end of the episode until season two, which means we're going to have to wait a year. I hate long hiatuses, I do. But like I said, this this episode was so, so fucking painful to watch. It was a good episode. It was a really good episode. But man, oh man. Oh, that's like, that's the worst kind of lesson you want to have to learn. And then at the hands of your own father and to see that realization that he doesn't care about your planet. He doesn't care about your people. He doesn't care about your mom. He doesn't really care about you. All he cares about is the Viltrumite and global. I, I I can't even say global domination, universal domination. It's just... That's a lesson you don't want to have to learn. And then, like we said, this is senior year. He's not supposed to be having to worry about all of this shit. But here we are. Yeah, poor guy. I know. <sighs> Final thoughts on this episode and on this season. Um, I thought it was a pretty good, pretty good show. Just um, it 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 it, it was. <laughs> I put it in that category with all the great anime that I've been watching over the last several months. Mm-hmm. It's just it's really it's really good, and it was interesting character development. Just the only thing I didn't really care for was the Monster Girl stuff, but yeah. you know, I'm I'm looking forward to to seeing where this is gonna go. Yeah, it seems like it was. It almost seemed like it was gonna be a cartoon version of the boys, but it is, but it is a different. It is its own separate entity. And I was pleasantly surprised. I thought it was going to be good, but I didn't think it was going to be this good and as as comic accurate as it was. I was really impressed with that. Um, I'm interested to see where they're going to go and to see. I'm almost positive that within the next, either season two or season three, there's going to be like one of the classic, you know, bad guy, good guy team up grudgingly fighting together, like with Battle Beast. I keep wanting to call him Battle Cat, like He-Man. I think, damn. So it's like, I think it's going to be like the Battle Beast, Invincible, like fighting back to back and like fighting off Viltrumites. I can, I can, I can literally see that in my, in my head right now. Um, mm. It should be, it should be pretty interesting. I was very impressed with the show. I thought it was awesome. I can't wait for season two. I can't believe we're waiting a year again for a damn show that we cover. I thought it was very well done. I, uh, 
I want to say that for independent comic, not being Marvel or DC, yeah. it held up to most of the stuff that we've seen from DC in particular. Marvel has good comic book stuff uh, as far as uh, animation cartoons are concerned, but DC is literally the gold standard. Yeah. And I thought that this was just as good as anything that we've seen from uh, DC. Um, I liked how it was not kitty at all. It wasn't dumbed down. Uh, I have a problem with that sometimes when I'm watching stuff like this. Mm -hmm. um, I appreciate the fact that they went there on several different levels. Uh, like Anthony, I did not care, as I said before, for the whole monster girl thing. I just thought that they just could have done without that altogether. But overall, uh, sad that I have to wait a year. But at the same time, that just gives me seven months closer to seeing Discovery Witch season three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have to wait next year for a lot of our stuff. Yep. Yeah, real quick. Um, in the diner scene, when Eve tells Will and Amber that she's Adam Eve, and Will says, oh, I thought I recognized you. You're the one that multiplies yourself, right? She's like, no, that's duplicate. I was, I, that was funny as shit to me. It's like you could really you could you could kind of hear like the woman who voices Adam Eve is Jillian Jacobs. Like she was in um community, one of my favorite shows, and you could kind of hear her community voice come out then. I thought that was hilarious. Also, another thing I'm curious about, I just saw it. Um, there's a scene like in the first montage when everybody's trying to get back to normal, where Art's looking at looking at the picture of him and Omni Man and he throws it away. And mm -hmm. then the scene of Art and Debbie like commiserating with each other. It'll be. I'm kind of interested to see that dynamic, and to see, and to see mm -hmm. you know, if they're if they're like you know, and to see them like kind of give each other, give give like to be there for each other and things like that. I think that'll be an interesting dynamic to look at too. Um, I'm wondering if um Will's boyfriend's coming back as one of, the, one of the zombies, or if he's going to be like Deathlock in um, Agents of the Shield, where he's like, where he's like free of mind control, but then he like kind of goes away, then he comes back, then he like kind of goes away, then he comes back. That would be, that'd be a pretty interesting turn if that happens. Yeah, because I mean, didn't Sinclair have to like remove his brain in order, to, or what did he, he moved his, he removed the frontal lobe? Yeah, he robotomized. Yeah. Yeah. And he tried to put a controller in, but he took the controller out. So, I mean, he he really doesn't have control. He really kind of has control of himself, but it's still like, you know, he's still like RoboCop-ish looking. Yeah. I echo pretty much everything you guys said. I really, really enjoyed this episode. I liked also seeing all of the different, like we got to see different pop culture references throughout the show and I enjoyed seeing that too like you know having Reginald Vell Johnson come in and be the principal <laughs> principal Winslow for Reginald Vell Johnson high school and you know just the other other little things you know me being a Walking Dead fan having some of the actors voice some of the characters in the show um, it was a bit disturbing for me seeing Mark be as beat up as he was because the actor who voices Mark is Stephen Young, who is Glenn in the Walking Dead universe and whose character met an extraordinarily brutal death at the hands of Negan and his barbed wire baseball bat, Lucille. 
So seeing Mark with the jacked up eye was not a fun moment for me, but at least it wasn't dangling out of his skull. As exactly. Would. At least, I mean, and it could have, you know. Man could have knocked it out. I mean, you know. Yeah, he, he could have, but, you know, so I, I liked seeing all of those little pop culture references and us seeing certain characters and kind of likening them to other characters. That was fun uh, watching it. You know, it gave it a little bit of humor in the midst of all the heavy stuff in the show. I do want to see what's going to happen with Immortal because we do know that he's coming back. Um, I don't know if they're going to scrub his memories so that there's not a repeat of what happened in this episode and last episode, but um, yeah, I have a feeling that there is going to be a rematch between him and Nolan. I don't know how that's going to go, but I'm fully expecting that to happen at some point. And um, yeah, I just, I, I have one major complaint that, they found the place for Zazie Beats to be on there, but they couldn't find the place for Denai Guerrero. Denai Guerrero, I think, has a lot of stuff going on right I'm, now. I'm just, I think I'm she's just writing a play, and I think she's acting and filming in a couple of things. You know, Black Panther 2 has started filming, I think. So, yeah, she might be a little busy. Maybe we'll see her in season two. I'm just saying. I'm saying why don't we see uh, yeah, Angelican? But... Or what about Coral? Where's Coral? Yeah, they'll probably all show up at some point. Because like I said, he had a pretty good number of Walking Dead cast members in this show, even if it was only for an episode or two. They were featured in here prominently. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But um, yeah, I, 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 guess, I guess we just have to wait a year until next year. We do know that the show has been renewed for seasons two and three. Don't know yet when season two will premiere, but you guys can be rest assured that we will be covering the show when it does return. But for now, that is it for our coverage of season one of Invincible. You can find us online at www.phantomhybrid.com. We are on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Phantom Hybrid. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and other major podcast streaming platforms. Thanks for listening. We hope you join the conversation next time. 